Welcome to Good Christophian Talks. I'm Levi. And I'm Chris. And I'm Brian. Thank you for joining us this week. On this podcast, we select one talk a week to help us get the Bible in our daily newsfeed. We post a new episode at the start of each week with a short intro beforehand to kind of set the stage for the talk you're about to listen to. And now, let's talk more about this week's talk. We're listening to an exhortation this week that was given by Brother Josh Somerville a couple months ago. And the title of his exhortation is kind of a provocative question that he opens his exhortation with. And the title is, Will You Be in the Kingdom? And what Brother Josh is looking at is sort of what is our kind of typical kind of gut response you might have if somebody was to come up and ask you that question, and then goes through looking at how we should respond to that question and how we should approach it uh, in a way to be a encouragement to us to allow us to be more like how Paul was able to speak with confidence about where he his status and what he did in his ministry. I found it to be a really encouraging exhortation and also a one that kind of makes you relook at things because some of the answers that he gives uh, or examples of answers that he offers, I feel like could apply to many people uh, in terms of how you feel when somebody was to ask you how confident or how do you feel when you answer the question, are you going to be in the kingdom? So, uh, I found this to be, like I said, a really interesting exhortation. Brother Josh does a really good job of asking questions that kind of get you to think and kind of do some self-examination, which I feel is very applicable for an exhortation. So, I hope you're able to take some lessons from this and draw from it and use it to reflect on yourself as you go into the coming week. And it encourages you as much as I found it to be encouraging when I listened to it. So, I will now turn it over to Brother Josh Somerville for his exhortation entitled, Will You Be in the Kingdom? I want us to start off today by just commenting on just how blessed we are to be able to be here this morning, uh, to have this time given to us to kind of gather here uh, around the Word of God, uh, and hopefully to be re-energized by the words of exhortation and to be able to share as a family in the breaking of bread. I think we forget sometimes that we've been so generously blessed that coming here can sometimes be taken for granted or feel like a burden. Um, so I pray that we never, never do that, never take this time or this place for granted. And so to begin today, I want to ask all of us here who are baptized a question. Do you think you're going to be in the kingdom of God? I've asked a couple of our older, more wise members, uh, including my father, uh, do you think you're going to be in the kingdom of God? And I want you to answer that for yourself. And there are, to me, four possible answers to that question. Number one is yes. Number two is no. Number three is I hope so, or some variation of that. And the fourth one is, I don't know. And I think if you answer yes, that can sound very presumptuous, can't it? Um, I tend to think if you were to say that, some of us might have an objection to that. Uh, it's not your decision to make, it's God's. And we know who you are. You know who you are. You know. 
You're just a sinner. You're not worthy. If you answered no, well then, what are you doing? Uh, why are you feeling like the answer is no? Maybe you need to process that and have some heavy conversations with somebody that you trust that can help you analyze why you think the answer is no and come up with some ways and um, strategies to try to change that answer. And if you answered, I hope so, well, then that's the, that's the majority answer, right? I think, I think it's pretty safe to say that we would mostly say, I hope so. Because we live our lives reading the scripture, trying to do our best to understand the word of God and what he's asking us to do. We put our, our best foot forward, our best foot forward, but we know that we're kind of hopeless failures at it. And so we uh, try to just do the best we can and then take what we're given, right? That's whatever the, uh, sorry, uh, that's wrong. But we're hopeless and we just ask for God's forgiveness and we just run the race the best that we can. And if you answered, I don't know, then I think that's probably the second most popular answer, I would imagine. And you're kind of admitting to yourself that whether you get into the kingdom or you don't get into the kingdom, you understand that the ultimate decision is not yours to make, it's God's. Um, and you're kind of giving all control to him and you'll just take what you're given. So that was, that's been running around in my, my mind recently. And then if I answer that, then I think to myself, okay, well, then the following question of that is because the people I ask never say yes, and that's understandable. Um, what we say is, no, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, I have faith. And th so then you have to ask yourself the question, or at least I do, um, okay, if you... If you think that the answer to is, am I going to be in the kingdom of God is basically a maybe, uh, then are we truly looking forward to the coming kingdom of God with any kind of joy? Because the only way you can look forward to the kingdom of God or to the return of Christ is with anxiety or uncertainty and doubt and fear. Um, because what you're saying is, I don't know what's going to happen. Or, or, or maybe it's, I'll be in the kingdom. And that's a, that's a scary place to be. And then I started asking myself, well, is that how our Heavenly Father wants us to feel or to behave? Is that how he wants us to live our lives in in anxiety or uncertainty of, of our placement in his kingdom? I think the answer to that is no. He definitely doesn't want us to, to live our lives that way or to feel that way. I mean, for all of us who have been raised reading scripture and, and anyone who's studied the word of God, we all understand that, you know, clearly... We're, we, we come from a place of unworthiness. Uh, right at the beginning, you know, if you just start reading the Bible from the beginning, Genesis chapter 3, you read about how Adam and Eve, you know, ate of the fruit of the tree that God told them not to, and he punishes them, lest Adam put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And then again in Romans 5.12, wherefore is by one man 
Sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And finally, in uh, chapter 6, 23 of Romans, for the wages of sin is death. Okay, well, it's very straightforward. I got it. I'm going to die, yes. I'm worthy of death, yes. But does that mean I should be denying God the gift that he wants to give me? Because it sometimes feels like we are. And if you feel like we should not deny this incredible gift that we're given, then I start to feel like, well, then where's the joy? Where is our joy in what is coming? Where is the joy that we should be feeling about this gift that God has so freely given us? And you might say, well, you know, I have joy. I just don't show it outwardly. Um, I keep that way deep down inside, like with all my other feelings, right? Um, or you might think, you know, listen, Josh, we need, to be, we need to be humble in our joy. We don't want to express that joy uh, because, you know, we're serious Bible students or we're a, we're a conservative bunch of people. Or the answer could be, you know, well, we, we shouldn't be too joyful because, you know, we don't want to be like those other churches that are just all happy clappy. And we, we take things very seriously. Well, that may or may not be true or, or what you're thinking. But if one of our goals in life is to be like our Savior, Jesus Christ, well then, what we read in Hebrews 12, 2 is worth taking a look at. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in preparing for this exhortation, that verse really hit me hard because there's two amazing things that Christ endured, right? He endured the cross. So the joy that Jesus saw coming helped him to endure the cross. And we know he physically endured it because he not only carried that cross, but was crucified on that cross, physically enduring that cross. But it also means that regardless of the opposition he endured, He endured the cross of society, their disbelief, their hatred, the way they treated him. He was not going to change. He did not surrender his opposition. He endured that, that figurative cross that he had to bear. And he also despised the shame. Another amazing little phrase. He saw the future. He saw the joy of the reward, and it was greater than the shame that he was put through in his life. And what is awesome is that word despised. He despised that shame. He hated it. That's how we would want to think that, right? He hated that shame, but it also means he, he chose to disregard that shame. Disregard the shame and the disgrace for the joy that was to come. 
And so we too, brothers and sisters, are to be looking forward with joy for that coming kingdom, just as Christ did. Because those of us who have been baptized have put our hands on the plow, right? We need to be focused and looking forward of what is to come and to do it with joy. That means, that means joy at work. Colossians 3.23, And whatever, whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. We should have joy with our bodies. Psalm 139.14, I will praise thee. I will, I will give you thanks, right? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. We should have joy in our trials. Maybe that's one of the hardest ones we have to endure, but there's, there needs to be joy in that. Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And in James 1, verses 2 through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We should have joy in our families. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And finally, joy in the coming of God's kingdom. Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then to continue in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, and we know the ending to that, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And picture this scenario. It's a conversation that you and God are having across the table. And God hands you a beautifully wrapped box. I mean, this thing is complete with bow and ribbon and a little card with your name on it. And what do you do with the present? You have to shake it, right? So you immediately shake it and you don't hear anything because, I mean, you don't hear anything, which means it's not Legos, right? And the other thing is it's very light. So it's not a book. It's not anything heavy. And now you're starting to hope it's not a shirt because... Sometimes mom would buy you shirts for your birthday, and that's not what you thought was cool for your birthday. So you finally open the box, and what's inside? It's a ticket. A single red admit one ticket, and it has your name on it. You say, oh, great, what's this? And he says, that's my gift of grace to you. It is admission into my kingdom that is going to be set up here for you. And it's coming soon. And you go, oh, man, God, this is, this is overwhelming. I don't deserve it. And he says, I know. But I'm, I'm not worthy. Oh, so you don't want it. No, no, I want it. I mean, I do. I want it. But it, I'm pretty sure you're going to take it back later because if you really knew me, you wouldn't be giving it to me. And God would respond, you think I don't know that? I mean, are you questioning me? Yeah, but what if I lose it? Or even worse, what if I throw it away and I disregard it? You can't lose it. And even if you were to throw it away, 
You can always find it again. Well, what did I do to deserve it? Nothing. Well, what do I have to do because you gave it to me? Oh, well, let me explain. Matthew 11, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in Galatians 3, for ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but... Ye are washed, and ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And in Matthew chapter 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Well, yeah, but what if I fail or I sin? I'm not perfect. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you see, it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So we should be joyful in that realization. How can we think anything other than that we will be in God's kingdom? Isn't that what he wants us to believe? And I think it comes down to something our brother Simon DeCosson said last week in his prayer. And obviously, I was hyper aware because I've had this thought in my mind. He said, help us to trust you. Oh, man, doesn't that say it all? Do we trust God? Do we trust? Do we really trust the Bible? The Bible doesn't say the kingdom of God is earned, and if you do this or you do that, you'll be saved. It actually says the opposite. It says you are already saved. Because it says all these things in past tense. It says you're washed. You're sanctified. You're justified. So why don't we trust it? Proverbs 3.5 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And that's what we kind of sometimes do, right? We fall into that understanding ourselves of the word of God and the scriptures and our failures and our shortcomings. And then we start to think, it can't be me. It won't be me. So let me ask another question. 
How should we be expressing the joy? Well, I'm not going to stand here and say that we should be jumping around, right? Losing control and breaking into a dance and saying all kinds of crazy things, you know, because it's not necessary. And I'm not promoting that. But we could and we should work on trying to keep joy on the forefront of our minds. Keep that right there, the joy, and see how that helps us and see how that changes our walk. You know, it seems like everything, when, when you're actively thinking of something, and I'm sure this happens to a lot of us, and, and particularly when you're writing exhortations and you have some thought on your mind for weeks at a time, but if you're actively thinking about something, it seems that everything around you all of a sudden starts to fall into place and, and wow, that's coincidentally the same of what I'm thinking, right? Because you're actively thinking about it. So your mind is hyper aware and focused on those thoughts and words and the comments that people say. It just seems like everything else reminds you about it. And when and for example, like the joy in, in, in our faith, and would you know it, it pops up everywhere. There's Bible verses that that say joy or, or have feelings of joy and positivity, um, conversations, how we treat others. I saw joy in, in hymn number one that we, that we sang this morning. I go, oh, there it is. There's joy. We have to keep that, that feeling or that, that topic on the forefront of our minds to, to fight against the struggle of the daily grind and what drags us down into negativity. We have to keep joy set before us because it is greater than anything we have now. And so when that driver cuts you off on the road, we've got to have joy. Because, well, he didn't crash into us. Everything's, everything's okay. Um, not a big deal. Or when your baby just won't stop crying. Well... Let's, have, let's find the joy in that. You know, he, he's healthy or she's healthy and they're not going to be babies for long and let's enjoy that. How about when our bodies are in pain? Well, this, this life is temporary. It's, it's very short, relatively speaking. And there is a future that we can keep in our minds that's coming that will be so much better than today. What about if you hate your job? Well... I have joy that I'm blessed to be able to go to work, to do a job, to provide for my family. You know, one of the things that I'll never forget and I like to share is something that I was taught by my mentor teacher when I first walked into a classroom. And she changed my life forever when she said, catch them being good. Don't worry about those who are misbehaving. Just compliment the ones that are. Compliment, compliment the ones that are behaving, I should say, doing what you want them to do. The others will fall into line. And I'm telling you, it's absolute magic. It just changes your mindset. You're not trying to put out fires, but instead you're just ignoring those and complimenting the ones doing a great job. And man, the other ones fall right into line. Don't worry about the negative, brothers and sisters. Just dwell in the positive Focus on the joy that is set before us, that has been given to all of us who have put on Christ. Psalm thirty-three, twenty-one: for our heart is glad. It's full of joy in him because we trust in his holy name. Okay, that's the pitch. 
I want us to leave here and work on that. Let's change our paradigm just a little. Let's implement more joy in our walk. Let us let joy encourage us and empower us to say, yes, I will be in the kingdom of God. And now let's talk just a little bit about legality here before I get this fellowship for preaching that we, will, we are once saved, always saved. So clearly that's not what I'm saying, right? It's not once saved, always saved. Um, you can't get baptized and do whatever it is you want and you're saved. We know that. When we carefully read those verses, we understand that there is a responsibility that is attached to it. Now, I tried to outline that in that conversation that I had with God. It's outlined in there, right? Nothing is just given. He gives it for free. We are going to be in the kingdom. We are. But there, are, there is a responsibility. First of all, it's faith. You have to have faith. You are saved through faith. And what is that? Faith is a complete trust and confidence in something or someone. That's it. So not only do you have to have faith in God, complete confidence in him, but also in his plan and his kingdom. If you don't have that, then you're already at a, at a disadvantage. We also mentioned that you have to seek first his kingdom. We also have to deny ungodliness, live soberly, right? Righteously and godly. But just a sample of some of the things that we're required to do. But as he has told us, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's really summed up by this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Simple. Now, as we prepare for the memorial, we're going to be approaching this table, hopefully with some mixed emotions, because we struggle with the idea that a perfect man, the only son of God, willingly allowed himself to be tortured and crucified for you and me. And when we look at ourselves, and we sometimes do not like what we see, so we feel sad. Ah, oh, you know, I, I let him down. You know, or I feel shame because of the things that I've done. But we also must come to this table with an incredible joy. Understanding that without that sacrifice, we'd be lost. Because there is no ability for us to earn salvation. It required his death for the door to be open for us. Uh, and Krista, did you get the hymn that we're going to be closing with today? No? no. Can, you, can you play hymn 434? Okay. We're going to close our hymn meeting today with hymn 434. And coincidentally enough, we sang it last week. And I, I said, man, that, that's it. That's the hymn that really fits this topic. So I want to read it through. And then let's keep that in our mind as we sing it when we close our meeting today. 
says, Lord, our parting do thou brighten. Radiant blessing on us shed. That says, help us to leave here encouraged. Let thy word, our lamp, enlighten all the path that lies ahead. God's word is, is what keeps the dark at bay. In verse 2, go before to guide and cheer us. Rouse our spirit and speed the race. Help us to be joyful and to not wallow in doubt or shame. May we feel thy presence near us, right? Keep, keep you on the forefront of our minds. Strengthened by thy heavenly grace, help us to trust in your gift of grace. Verse 3, there's faith and hope within us burning. Gird our loins with purpose, strong. Zion words, our faces turning, marching as thy chosen throng. We will not be moved. We are focused towards the kingdom with that joy set before us in one direction. Verse 4, when the morning star shall waken, Gentile lands from darkest night, may dawn find us true and unshaken, fit to share its glorious light. When Christ returns and brings light to this dark world, may we experience that with joy and not doubt. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians verse 9, verse 15, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 15, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks podcast. We hope this talk helped you in your walk and brightened your day. If you would like to hear more, please subscribe for new episodes. We are on all major podcast platforms and also on YouTube. If you enjoyed this particular talk, please share it with someone else who you think might enjoy it too. For show notes on the talk you just listened to, visit our website at goodchristadelphiantalks.com or check out the show notes section of your podcast player. Please share your thoughts on the talk from this week on our Facebook or Instagram pages where we are at Good Christadelphian Talks, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where these talks are posted as well. If you enjoy listening to the talks that we post and hear one that you think we should share, please tell us about it. You can send us a suggestion using the Contact Us tab on our website or message us on any of our social media accounts. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.